Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Good afternoon, Matthew. Uh, my name is Stephen Roman. I'm the uh, chairman, president, and CEO of Global Atomic Corporation. And it's nice to be with you here on Crux. Hello, Stephen. How are you? Been a while? Been, been okay? Been a little while, yeah. Very good. Um, good to be back and give you an update on what we're up to. Yeah, things seem, yes, things seem to be moving along. We're going to talk about your Q2 uh, results in a, in a second. I wouldn't mind your commentary in the market, though. Uh, uranium uh, equities seem to be moving sideways, if not uh, sliding down a little bit. Any thoughts? Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, of course, in the spring, the uranium equities had a good run because uranium was moving up from about $26 at the time to uh, 32 and everybody was talking about the net carbon zero initiatives. Uh, so, you know, it was time to get into the uranium space. Over the summer, typically uh, utilities uh, back off on buying. Uh, things get a little bit quiet during the summer. And of course, now we're in August, which is usually the lowest period because everybody's on holidays. In the meantime, you know, the companies, uh, I would say, are, are working on all fronts. Uh, not just ourselves, but other uranium companies. And uh, I would say that generally speaking, everybody's down about the same amount, uh, between 25 and 35%. But uh, I, I view this as a good buying opportunity when things are quiet. And, uh, you know, I expect in the fall, uh, utilities are going to get back into the market. We've had uh, recently announced the uh, Sprott uh, uh, basically uh, going to market now and, and raising 300 million to buy uranium. Uh, so that's been recently announced. So I, I would think that by September, things are going to start turning around on the uranium side. So uh, as I say, good good time to buy some some cheap equities. What's your take on the uh, Sprott uh, Physical Uranium Trust? Because there are the people out there saying, well, they're just going to focus on driving that spot price up because that's going to drive the equities market and they've got a lot of investment in uranium equities at the moment. Or has it got a bigger job to do? Because $300 million at the market is good. It's significant investment. But They'll need to raise a lot more if they're going to try and drive this market and, you know, and, and the sentiment in it, won't they? Well, I would think if they're in there for the long term, yes. I think this is sort of getting their foot in the door. $300 million will buy you, what, 10 million pounds or so these days? I mean, that's something we can produce uh, at DASA in two years. So it's not going to make a huge impact, but I would think, uh, you know, the general concept to hold physical uranium, waiting for prices to get back to 50 or $60, which I think most people think they're gonna, gonna be there. Um, it's, it's a good opportunity. So they'll probably start with that. And then as things move along, I'm sure they'll be back in raising more money to buy more pounds. So it's, it's a good, good positive uh, force for the market. Okay, so you, you welcome their arrival and their marketing uh, and ability that they've got. I'm um, just just on that. Do you have they approached you to try to get your view on the market, or are they just quietly getting on with the business of doing their business? Well, uh, Sprott know about us. I, I think uh, some of their people own shares of Global Atomic, and uh, they they like the company. Um, they haven't approached us to buy physical uranium from Global. But, you know, you never know, that might happen down the road. 
but uh, they are shareholders in, in our company. Okay, um, let's talk about the Q2 numbers. Uh, you just, uh, well, recently put out an announcement about them. So you want to give us the headline numbers? Because I wouldn't mind actually talking about what's going on on the ground, actually. Well, on the ground in Niger right now, uh, we're just waiting for the government to give us the final word on uh, their participation level. I think that's going to be, uh, you know, big news. Uh, and uh, the next thing, of course, is we're starting our big drill program in two weeks at DASA. So that's going to be... Um, doing both exploration along the flank zone strike length, which could increase that phase one resource from 12 years outwards. But more importantly, because the flank zone is only 20% of the deposit, we want to move the balance of the deposit up uh, into a higher category measured and indicated so that we can wrap a feasibility around that and, and actually show the market uh, a new mineral resource estimate, as well as new economics for the entire DASA project. So what? as you might recall, the flank zone was just sort of a starter starter mine. And, uh, you know, obviously it's a very economic one, even at today's prices. But, you know, the market needs to understand that uh, DASA is a lot bigger than the flank zone. Now, yeah, I, th I, think, I think most people get that. I think what people are keen to understand is your relationship with Arano and being able to process at Samir and, you know, have any conversations happened? And if so, what are those conversations about? Uh, well, more than conversations have happened. So uh, I guess since we spoke last, uh, we've had uh, samples sent from DASA to Somer. They've done a lot more metal metallurgical test work uh, including blending our material with their material to see how it processes uh, in their plant. Uh, everything has come back very positively. I think we announced some of that in our first or our second quarter report. So, you know, we're proceeding now to uh, define a, an arrangement to ship ore to, to Somer from DASA. So, you know, the plan was that this was a a value opportunity. It's not being studied in our feasibility study. We are basically, our feasibility is uh, relating to a standalone plant and, and standalone mine. But uh, as we always said, our MOU with Arano was a value opportunity whereby we could start shipping development or to Somer and generating cash for the company, de-risking the mine and, uh, you know, obviously uh, helping the bankers make a decision on financing the plant. Right. So uh, this is all in progress. Uh, we expect to be, and as we told the market previously, we expect to be uh, moving dirt in Q1 next year. So the idea is to uh, complete the box cut to get the, the, uh, the area ready to start to ramping underground. So... By about uh, end of 2022, early 2023, we should have material available to ship to uh, Arano. Okay, so I just want to remind people: so the, the flank zone is the higher grade uh, component. It's you know at, comes up at surface. You want to that's 20% of of the the ore body. How do you come at it? Because the the money getting money flowing is good. Getting getting ore into in, uh, into the plant is good. But you're going to have to come up with a deal which is, you know, economically viable. So there's, you could do tolling. 
you're talking about blending, so that's going to be a little bit more than a, just a pure tolling agreement. You can, I mean, there's a number of ways you can come at it. I mean, how do you maximize the returns that you're going to make for your shareholders off of this, you know, initial flying zone project? There's there's two options. One, as you say, is a toll arrangement um, where you send them so many uh, tons of ore every year. They toll mill it for a cost. Then you get the uranium and you can sell the uranium. The other option is we just sell them the rock. So we figure out what the grade is of the material we're selling and uh, they, they tack on their process fee and they give us the net in cash. So we're working on the economics right now to see which one would be better. Uh, they're obviously doing that as well. Uh, you know, the key thing is, is that uh, we have a, uh, a good window here to supply material while the mine is being developed. And of course, we're getting our economics right now on how much it costs to actually physically truck the material up to their plant. They're about 100 kilometers away. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a good, very good grade material. And uh, I think... Uh, Based on all the cost numbers we're getting right now, we can make a very good profit shipping up to 500,000 tons to Orano. And that was the amount we signed on our MOU is to ship a minimum of 100,000 tons a year for five years. Okay. So the, the numbers basically are the same. Right. The numbers in terms of the, the, the quantum of ore, but what about the when do you get to the economics? When do you start to understand what it means for you? Because You'll have made a decision to on that MOU to look at, you know, getting cash flowing. You've also got cash flowing from Turkey, right? right. So there's a number of options that you have available to you in terms of conversations with bankers, um, or you could keep that, or get your plant uh, financed and you know, you know, capture more of the upside. So. That, that decision-making yeah. process, are all those options still on the table? Or is it just a case of, let's get some cash flowing from uh, DASA as well as, as Turkey, and that's going to hopefully make the money a little bit cheaper up, up front? You know what? It all boils down to what's the interest level from the financial uh, partners, so to speak, the banks um, and people that uh, will be providing a debt component for the project. So if they're happy to do it uh, up front and just say, listen, we just want you to keep all your ore and put it through your own plant, that's, that's fine. But I think, uh, you know, based on the schedule we have, and we would like to start working on site doing the mining in Q1, um, you know, bankers typically take longer than that to put a package together. We, we don't foresee a package being done with a bank for the entire financing until, you know, end of Q2 or sometime in Q3 next year. So, you know, we, we would like to start moving on the project sooner than that, obviously. And the Arano option of shipping material allows us to start the mining with very little capital and start generating capital to pay for a lot of the capital we need for the plant construction. Okay. So it's it gives us a very good optionality. So what's happening in Turkey, actually? Let's, let's, well, I mentioned it, so I might as well cover it now. Obviously, zinc prices are good. They're, they're running the, the plant well and efficiently. 
uh, it looks like to to me. Um, any hiccups, any kind of red flags that we need to be aware of? No, no hiccups or red flags. I mean, the, the electric arc steel mills aren't running at capacity yet. So, you know, uh, we've, we've put out some guidance uh, in some of our statements that we're running at about 70%, which is where we are. Uh, we are expecting still to pay off the loan, the Befeza loan this year. So next year, the cash will start accumulating to our account, and that's on schedule. Uh, so things are going well there. Obviously, the zinc price is definitely helping. So if you get a little bit less dust, you get a little better price. So that's what's happening there. And, you know, there's a, a new big mill uh, that's being started, a uh, big uh, steel plant that's being started uh, close to us in the Eskendron area. So uh, it's scheduled to start up in September, October this year. Uh, that has the potential to keep us quite full. So if, if we get to the point where we're running at 80 or 90% capacity, uh, you know, you're going to see much, much greater profitability coming out of that operation. Interesting. Just, just a, a side note. We, we've seen in the battery metal space, the energy space there, Chinese companies moving quickly to buy up uh, and option various projects around the world. The West is moving a little bit more slowly on that front. Given the supply-demand story in uranium for and for therefore nuclear, do you expect to see a little bit more of that type of activity in your space in the uranium space? Because um, because at the moment people are just sitting waiting for a spot price to move, and maybe Sprott has an ability to help move that along somewhat. But there's going to be a moment. I mean, you you went through, you sat through the last cycle. You've sort of seen it happen before. What, what's your I've seen a few. You've seen a few. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. Um, you know, uh, how how does the market get played? You know, is 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 it the West just being too slow to react, and the you know Chinese? Uh, institutional companies will, will will walk in and you know pick up deals. They like Africa. I mean, have you had any conversations? Oh, absolutely. Um, China National Nuclear Corporation and China Guangdong are both in Niger. Uh, China National Nuclear Corporation built the Azalik mine. Uh, they ran out of ore in a year because they didn't do any exploration. Now they've announced that they're going to be spending some money on exploration. The government's been putting pressure on them to actually get that operation going again. China Guangdong, uh, of course, they operate the, the big mine, uh, Huseb. And uh, you know what? I, I think uh, that they're all interested. They're all looking for assets like this. Um, obviously, the, the French are there with Arano. Uh, the Russians are in the area as well. So, you know, I think that generally speaking, uranium uh, is a very strategic resource. Morgan Stanley just came out with a report yesterday, I believe, that said that uh, they view uranium as the number one metal here in the next decade. Uh, so the reason being is everybody is building reactors around the, around the world and they need fuel. So I, I just think that, uh, you know, the more we de-risk the project, the more we move it forward, uh, the more interest uh, some of these big guys are going to have. Now, you know, our plan is not to sell this. It's, uh, 
it's to put it into production and start making uh, vast quantities of money in a rising market. But, uh, you know, we're always uh, open to listen to uh, proposals. Let's put it that way. We're here to make money for our shareholders, and we want to make sure that our shareholders are well rewarded. Okay. As a sign, I think Barclays also just put out a note about um, nuclear uh, as, a, as, a, as a clean, green energy and uh, affecting, you know, uranium equities. I thought that was interesting. I think that was also this uh, last week. Um, but on... I want, I want to sort of ask you about, you know, the way you get competitive tension going. You don't necessarily want to have to go and fund a, a mine build, but you want it to be interesting enough for one of these, whether it be Chinese, Russian, French, whoever groups to kind of look at. The, I know you say you've, you've got to say we're here to build it. You've got to say that. But the reality is it's going to be much easier to get competitive tension going drive the price up and have someone step in and, and deal with that kind of capex component, isn't it? Well, um, it depends on the price, Matt. You know, I, I see uh, assets uh, like Canadian Malartic here in Canada. It's a big low-grade gold deposit that went for $3.5 billion. Uh, we have the largest, highest-grade uranium deposit in Africa. Uh, what is that worth? Is it worth three billion, five billion? Uh, you know, it's definitely not something where you chase the price up to five dollars a share and blow it out. I mean, that's that's of no interest to me, and I think our shareholders expect much higher than that. So, you know, it depends what kind of a frenzy gets going out there if uranium starts moving up to sixty dollars a pound or plus. Um, is somebody willing to step in and and pay the right price for this asset? There's nothing like it out there. Well, I mean, you're 400 million or so to, today. If it gets up to 60 bucks, that's going to be, um, it gets a little bit expensive up there. Or is that, is that not the way the big boys work? Well, the big boys, uh, you know, they, they want to uh, buy something that's been de-risked. So as we move forward, we continue to do that. Uh, they want to... Uh, you know, buy it uh, basically turnkey. So they walk in and take it over. Um, and, you know, these things happen. Um, and typically, uh, price is not a big issue. So if they want an asset and you can see that there's 250 or 300 million pounds here and you've got a 50-year mine life, what is that worth to uh, a big group like a China Guangdong or, or Arano or whoever that wants to uh, have a long life asset that's uh, at an exceptionally good grade and they can make money on even in low markets. Well, here's one for you. So there's a question sent in about, you know, do you go and do a NASDAQ or full full listing NYSE US component? If, if China is the ultimate buyer, probably, because they, they, they got the cash. Does going and listing in the, on the U.S. exchange make it less likely that the Chinese will walk in? There, are there more restrictions um, for on M&A? Um, or is that part of the, one of the levers that you've got available to you to kind of you know, drive the value? I mean, how, how, do you, how do you play these things? I'm intrigued. Well, right now we're on the OTCQX. So we do have a U.S. exposure in, I think, 46 states. Uh, clearly, uh, you know, moving to the NYSE or the NASDAQ would be great. 
but you have to have, I would say, the company in production and generating revenue to support the cost of being on those exchanges. It, it costs a lot of money because you move into Sarbanes-Oxley and all these other regulatory requirements. And uh, you, you need a whole accounting staff just to manage the regulations. So it's not something we want to burden the company with at the moment. Uh, we're very well served by the Toronto Stock Exchange and the OTCQX. Uh, we were in the top 25 companies on the OTCQX last year. And uh, you know what? I, I think for the moment, that's the place to be. Okay. I'm, I'm it's just a matter of, it's a matter of, you know, where do you put your dollars? I'd rather put the dollars in the ground and advance the project than, uh, you know, spending hundreds of thousands of dollars listing on a big exchange in the U.S. Okay. So you, the rest of this year, you've kind of laid out, there's, there's a few targets that you, you laid yourself in terms of operationally on, on the ground. So what should we expect to see from you for the rest of this year? Well, I mean, we're going to have results coming out of our drilling. We're going to have uh, the government clarity on their participation. We're going to have the feasibility study coming out, uh, you know, end of September, early October. Uh, you might have off-take agreements now done sometime later this year, early next year with a number of utilities. So, you know, we're just going to be knocking down the milestones as we move this thing to production. You seeing any M&A activity happening with you or others in the space? I, I think so. I think there would be some. Uh, you know, as far as we're concerned, we're not going to be thinking about M&A right now. We've, we've got a job to do and we need to get it done. So, you know, we built a new plant in Turkey in 2019. That's now paid out this year. So that's going to start generating more profitability to, uh, to global that we can deploy in, in developing DASA. And once DASA is up and running, of course, you're going to have a, a very significant cash generator there. So, you know, I think uh, it's a company building asset. There's, there's not too many assets out there that are like this. And uh, I think, uh, you know, it's how long do you want to stay in the story? I mean, if you can build a company like uh, Hemlo Gold Mines in Canada that uh, moved, uh, you know, my friend uh, Ned Goodman up into stellar status uh, and uh, Corona and those companies that moved up to $40 a share, I, I don't see this any different. I think this is a company that's got that potential. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.